Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. From the dead and him coming back again, and he still heals marriages, he still breaks chains, he still heals bodies. How many believe that this morning? Amen. Okay, now you can just tell the person next to you, you're in the right place. Amen. You might have thought you made a wrong turn or came to the wrong place, but you're in the right place. I want to talk this morning for a few minutes that something's just burning in my heart and my spirit. Welcome to all those that are online. And you, if you're here for the first time, as Brian said, we welcome you. We hope that it's not your last time. We had lots of visitors in the first service. Our outreaches are working. Amen. At the square, we had a couple in the, set, in the first service from the outreach. If you don't know what we're doing, we go to the square and we just street preach and hold signs and pray with people and tell them that Jesus is alive and people need hope. And a couple from TWU came in all the way from Houston and they loved it. Amen. And others are going to keep coming. So something's burning in my heart that I think is going to help you so much this morning. And I want to put it up on the screen, and it's, an, it's something every single one of us deal with. It already ministered to me as I was preparing it and getting it ready. How many have ever had times where you have prayed for something and not got an answer? Maybe I need to say that in Spanish because some of y'all didn't raise your hand. You're trying to tell me every prayer you've ever prayed has been answered? Let me just turn that around real quick. Has anybody had every single one of your prayers answered? Can you raise your hand? Because I would love... To meet with, I would take you to, okay, I didn't think that was going to happen. I would take you to lunch anywhere you want to go, and I'm going to sit down with you, and t- I want to hear what you do. How I many, nobody, nobody bats a thousand on prayers. And as a matter of fact, this is a huge hiccup for a lot of people. This is a huge cause of many people to stop serving God, not love God, or get mad at God, or stop going to church, because we wonder, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? And I'm going to get into some stuff that I think is just going to bless you and help you add tremendous fruit from it in the first service. And uh, here's another question. Maybe you've had a prayer that you've asked God to answer, and he didn't answer it the way you wanted him to answer it. How about that? And how many know along with that is at the same time we have things we pray for and ask God for and believe for, and, the, and we don't ever see the answer we want now, but maybe, maybe possibly is what I'm putting in your spirit. God's doing something we can't see. I, I, just, I, I didn't do this in the first service, but I, I want to I mention this, just a glimpse, and I'm going to show you something that's going to really help you this morning. But I was thinking about my own personal life and what God has done in my life, and I think, you know, all of us, how many have dreams in this place? Especially that are younger. When you're young, you're in high school, you're, you're growing up, you're thinking, this is what I want to do with my life. And, you know, there's probably not a lot of people in this place today that are doing exactly what they thought they were going to do when your third grade teacher asked you. Right? I mean, probably very few are doing what you said when you, I want to be this or I want to be that. But I know, you know, in my own personal testimony, some of you know it, some of you don't. I grew up sports, basketball, football, soccer, baseball, played all the sports, loved sports. Sports was my life. Got into high school, got uh, playing all the sports, and as as time went on, got better and more in love with basketball. And and many of you know my story. I I, 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 uh, had uh, scholarship offers to go to a lot of different D1 colleges and missed my SATs and 
and, and I had a plan. I had things that I wanted for my life that didn't have anything to do with God at all. And I look back now at my life, and I look back now at how God was doing something in my life many times, even after I gave my life to the Lord, and I didn't know what he was doing. But now, after 30 years, I can look back, and I know I've got another 30 in front of me, amen, at least. But I look back at the last 30, and I say, man, God, you were doing better things than I thought you were going to do. How many can look back now on your life and say, you were doing better things in my life than I thought you were? And so I got saved on a October 4th. Matter of fact, next month will be 29 years that I've been saved on 9 o'clock at night, sitting in a church with my arms crossed. I just met with the evangelist. I told you that just a couple weeks ago that led me to the Lord. And we were eating lunch and talking last week. And, and he, we, we were talking about when I got saved. And he says, I remember you sitting in the back with your sunglasses on. So if you think I'm lying when I say that, that's how it was. He said, I remember you sitting in the back and my arms were crossed and I was just waiting for the service to get over so I could go home and get ready for practice the next day. I had just come from practice. And I was in college playing basketball and had all kinds of dreams in front of me. And then all of a sudden, God stepped in. How many remember when God stepped into your life? And then he started to change the plans a little bit. And long story short, not six to eight months later, I'm in another country learning Spanish. And meet my wife, and the rest is history. And as time goes on, and I begin to serve God and, and, and do what God wants me to do, I've had lots and lots of unanswered prayers over my life. Lots of, but I've had a lot of answered prayers too. But I'm looking back, and I'm seeing that many times when I had a plan for my life, God said, you know what, I, I, this is what you want. This is for somebody here this morning. This is what you want, but I actually have something even better for you. And, and, and just, just, just this morning in the first service, had a young man that David and I have played with over the last few months. I got to meet him. He's probably known him longer. And he came to church. And I always love it when new guys come to church. You know, Brian that was just up here giving the offering the first time he came, I, I, he tells his story. He, he didn't know I was the pastor. Because when I meet people in the basketball court, I don't say, hey, I'm a pastor. Nice to meet you. That kind of messes up your witness a little bit, you know. Hello. So I just, every, like everybody else, and I just play. And so this guy came to the first service, and David brought him back to the office. And I love to see their faces when they find out that I'm the pastor. And just like Brian, the first time, I was at, he, he was at the old building, and he came in, and he saw me kind of dressed up. And he goes, oh, he must be like an usher or something. And then, and then he saw me at the front door, and he goes, oh, or he thought he was an usher. Then he saw me at the front of the church, and he goes, oh, he must be like giving the prayer or something like he did today. And then he saw me get up to preach, and then he thought, oh, oh. And so all, the, all this happens over the years, and I, I had these dreams to, to, to play professional basketball, and I gave it up for the Lord, never understanding that many years later, I would be able to play professional basketball in Costa Rica and meet all these different people, and today have all these times where I get to meet people, and like this gentleman this morning, I'm going to try to help him get an opportunity to play overseas or fulfill his dream. But the most important thing is that he came to church. And I can look back on, amen, how God said, I, I, I'm going to let you have your dream, but if you give me your dream, I'll give you something better. But church, we don't many times, watch this, get to see all that come to pass because we quit before we get to where God wants us to go. 
because of unanswered prayers and things don't happen the way we want them to happen. But here's a big problem, church. How many know we have a problem with entitlement? Especially this generation. No, no offense, young, young people. You don't do it on purpose. But this is an entitled generation. We feel like somebody owes us something. It seems like nobody wants to work. You know, you go, I, I, I go to these places sometimes and you're like, you hate your job, don't you? I mean, I don't say that to them, but I just think it. Does anybody else think that sometimes? You hate your job. You don't want to be here. And you can tell. And there's like, like, like they almost feel like I should be getting a check for not coming. There's an entitlement. But you know what, church? Don't, 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 blame, don't point the finger. We're like that too with God a lot of times. I think as Christians, we become entitled and we feel like God owes us something. Where are the amens at now? Don't get quiet on me. We get to a place where we feel like God owes us something. That's a bad place to be in the kingdom of God. Amen? And I just want to kind of break it down a little bit so I can build you back up. Okay? As Christians, we think we have, we feel like we have a spirit of entitlement like God owes me something. Well, I've got news for you. God owes you nothing. Over here, God owes you nothing. He doesn't owe you an answer. He doesn't owe you a healing. He doesn't owe you a blessing. He doesn't owe you anything. God owes you nothing. And a matter of fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, I was praying, Lord, give me a verse that would just make this simple. All have sinned. We're all in the same equal playing ground. We are all sinners. Doesn't matter how much money you make or don't make. Doesn't matter where you were born, where you came from, what your dreams are. We are all an equal playing field in the world. We are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And God owes us nothing. So if you want to really see God move in your life, get to this place where you understand. It's a place of humility. It's a place of understanding that anything I do get from God is a blessing. Not something God owes me. So I want to look into a little bit Luke chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles. Please don't start reading yet, because we're going to be there in a second. But I want to give a little background. I want to talk about John the Baptist this morning. John the Baptist, I'm going to give a little background on him, was Jesus' forerunner. He was the one who introduces Jesus. Now, I've had the privilege over the years to introduce pastors and evangelists. And I remember standing on this stage and introducing Carmen and how cool that was for me as, as a kid growing up, watching him win hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. I remember introducing him. But how many would love to introduce Jesus? I would love to be the one that says, let me introduce to you this morning the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The bright and morning star, the prince of peace, the everlasting, amen, the healer, the Messiah, amen, and just introduce, so John the Baptist is coming before Jesus, and he has a seriously cool job. He gets to be the one who says, one is coming after me that I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, and he humbles himself and he begins to, to, to preach the gospel and he begins to preach repentance. Somebody say repentance. Amen. 
But here's the sad thing. John the Baptist, just like I with my little dream to play basketball or do things like that athletically, John had a dream. I think he was like, man, I'm going to do great things for God. I'm the forerunner for Jesus. I'm the man that God chose. I'm the man of the hour. And I want you to picture that, that man that's just so anointed that he's the one, the one that God said, you're the one that's going to go before me. How many know that was a very important job? Possibly the most important job anybody's ever had. Do you realize that? Possibly, because you're talking about the Savior. Jesus is only the only Savior. He only came once, and He came to die once, came to resurrect once, and He had one person come before Him, and that was John. So I would be like, man, John deserves some serious accolades. John deserves some serious front row parking. John deserves trophies, all kinds of cool stuff. Are you with me? But as we get into this story, I want you to understand, John is not in the front row. He's not in the VIP section. He is not giving, getting accolades. He is in prison. He's in jail. And he's sitting there. As I'm beginning to go right here, I just want you to keep in your mind this John the Baptist, but I want you to keep in your mind that he is in prison. Now, to tell you a little bit about John before he comes, to tell you the kind of person he was, he was fam. You know, we say, hey, fam. We have family, right? And a lot of times it's not blood. How many know, I got more fam that's not blood than I do this blood. Jesus was fam. He was John the Baptist's cousin. Or really, to say it right, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Because Jesus was higher. And he comes on the scene, and he knows what he's supposed to do, and he puts himself in this spirit of humility. But before that ever happens, he is uh, told to his dad, uh, uh, Zechariah, who's a priest in the lineage of David. He says, I'm going to put a son, a seed in your, in your wife's body, and she's old in age, kind of like Sarah. And he's going to do great things. He's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah and Zechariah doesn't believe him. And because he doesn't believe him, he shuts his mouth. And from the moment he hears those words till the moment John the Baptist is born, he can't talk. So, I think that's where women really started talking more. Because John couldn't speak, so Elizabeth had to speak up. Hey Amen, I'm just throwing that in there. I don't know what happened before Jesus came. but So Elizabeth becomes this, I didn't say that in the first service either. That was just totally the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> So Elizabeth speaks up, and she goes to tell her, her, her sister, uh, Eliz uh, Mary, you know her? He goes, she goes, he goes to give the good news, and as, as Mary's getting this news at the same time, she gets the news that she's going to be the, the, the mother of Jesus. And then Mary goes, sorry, to go tell John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth, that she's with child, and when she's telling this to Elizabeth, John is six months in the womb, and he jumps and gets filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, at six months old. And he gets anointed by the presence of being around Jesus. And Jesus was just being conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, John the Baptist is born, and Matthew chapter 4, look at this, describes John the Baptist. Now we could go a lot of directions with this. I think it's John, sorry, I'm maybe giving the wrong verse. Matthew chapter 3 gives this verse to tell you what John the Baptist looked like. I want you to remember this. 
He himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and, and his food was locusts and wild honey. So he was weird. Amen? He was weird. But he, he wasn't weird just to be weird. He was humble. I like to look at him as a man who is totally the opposite of what we see today in Christianity. Can I just chase a rabbit for a second? Today it seems to me like we're trying, and when I say we, I mean the church world. I hope that's not us. We're trying to build the church and attract people in by lights and cameras and shiny things and, and sounds and noises and music and, and good, good eloquent speaking. But there's no move of God and no power of God. No one's getting saved. No one's getting healed. No one's getting delivered. People are walking into the buildings and they're walking out the same way. John came different. John said, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be out in the desert. I'm going to be out in the wilderness. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to humble myself. And then God is going to lift me up. How many want to live that kind of life? John the Baptist began to preach. This is crazy. You might not know this about Jesus. And he didn't go into the city like we go to the square. He was, you think we're far out here. He was further. And he's preaching with no microphone, no social media, nobody announcing him. And there's such an anointing on his life. I'm telling you, this guy is chosen. There's such an anointing on his life that people are going out into the wilderness and out into the desert. No cars, no planes, no automobiles, no trains, no horses, maybe horses. Out into the wilderness to hear him preach. And crowds are following him everywhere he goes. To hear him tell them, repent. That, see, that's a picture of a true revival. By the way, if you were here in the first service, I'm going so different from my first message right now. But this is for you that's here. See, it's catered. I don't just get up and just read the notes. Do you see the difference? When a revival happens, which I believe God is giving us right now, and it's, we're on the verge of seeing something supernatural in this place, people will go anywhere they got to go. People will drive an hour. People will drive an hour and a half. People will drive two hours. People will go out of their way to go somewhere where God is. These people were leaving the synagogues and going out to John the Baptist, and they weren't getting the good news in the sense of, hey, you can live however you want. Hey, you can have your best life now. Hey, you can do whatever you want. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people kept coming and coming. And come and he says, now listen to me because someone greater is coming behind me. And he gave one of the most greatest verses ever in John chapter 3, verse 30. It's real short. It should be our attitude. He must increase and I must decrease. What could God do in us this morning, church, if we would be less and God would be more? What could we do? If we would decrease and he would increase. God, less of me and more of you. How many want that to be your prayer? So listen, I said all that to say this. John was deserving. Say that word, deserving. He was deserving of accolades. He was deserving of the VIP seating. He was deserving of a pat on the back. But guess where he is? In prison. Waiting to be, in case you don't know the story, beheaded. That's what we see. We have the book already written. He's in prison. Remember John the Baptist. Okay, as I'm telling this story, remember John the Baptist. I just told you the greatness of John the Baptist, but now picture John the Baptist in prison 
waiting to be beheaded for what he's doing. How is he deserving of that? And as we pick up in this story, I want to show you in Luke chapter 7. This is a story where Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's healing people. He's setting people free. He's casting out demons. He's raising the dead. He's raising the paralytics. He's preaching to, to, to the people. He's loving people. He's doing amazing things. And this centurion comes along and says, listen, I've got a, I've, I need a favor. I've got a servant that I love. And he's in my house. And he needs to be healed. And he was a man under authority. And he said, I, I tell my men where to go, and they go. And I tell them, come, and they come. He understood authority. And so he's standing with God, Jesus, and he's telling Jesus about his servant. And it says, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. By the way, go back one verse for one second. How many of you have prayed for someone you love who's dear to you? How many of you have prayed for someone you love that's dear to you and God didn't answer your prayer? I've done a lot of funerals. I could mention my mom this morning who spent 100 days in rehab this year and not drug rehab, just physical rehab, who goes back and forth from the hospital to the rehab and hospital in the rehab. And while she's in the hospital, my dad's in the hospital. My dad's been in the emergency three, time, three times this week, two for him, one for mom. How many know some people you pray for and God doesn't seem to answer your prayer? Hello. Who was dear to him and was sick and ready to die. Keep reading. And when he heard about Jesus, see, we need the world to hear about Jesus. We believe this. He sent elders of the Jews to him. So he, here he is telling his servants, go tell Jesus that I have a servant that's sick and he's pleading with them to come and heal his servant. Now watch, watch this next verse. This is the key to what I want to show you this morning. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, and watch this, saying that the one for whom he should do this, this centurion's servant, was deserving. For he loves our nation and he has built our synagogue. Why am I hitting this part home? I want you to understand that this, these people, how many know everybody believes that their situation deserves an answer? I believe that God should answer my prayer. I love God, you love God, but here's the thing, church. God answers prayers differently than we think he does. And so he says, this man is deserving. He built the synagogue. He, he deserves a healing. And how many know the story? If you read your Bibles, he got healed. Did he get healed because he was deserving? Nope. And if he was deserving, let's go back to John the Baptist. Doesn't John the Baptist deserve to get out of prison? Shouldn't Jesus, who his cousins in prison loved John the Baptist more than he loves the centurion's servant? Church, he healed the man he didn't even know. Some of y'all are starting to get this here. He healed a man he didn't even, he said, if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. He was marveled at his faith. He said, I've never seen all such faith in Israel. And he said, your servant's healed right now because of his faith. But, church, it's not always a lack of faith. It's not always that. Because how many know when you pray, you pray with faith? No one's going to tell you that you don't have faith with what you're praying for. You're praying with faith. How do you think John the Baptist feels in prison, or would feel if he knew, that Jesus is out healing a centurion's servant 
that he doesn't even know. But his cousin isn't doing anything for him. Right after this story, after Jesus heals the centurion, he's walking like he does with his disciples, and he runs into a woman who is a widow, and her son, he's, now her son is dead. And Jesus sees the young boy, has compassion on him, and says, come out of that, out of that uh, casket. And the boy gets up out of the casket and lives. So now Jesus has healed this boy who he doesn't know. Are y'all following what's happening here? This doesn't make sense. Doesn't John the Baptist deserve more to be free from prison than these people that Jesus doesn't even know to be healed? I would say so. Let's look at John, Luke chapter 7. Why doesn't Jesus break John the Baptist out of prison? So with all that said, look at Luke chapter 7 verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, are you, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you. Now, how many know today, this is a crazy thing, how many know today that people are in prison and they can still like run a business and run a drug business and run the, the prison from their cell. Have, have you ever seen the, seen the shows? John the Baptist is doing this 2,000 years ago. He's telling his disciples to go out and do things for him from prison. So it's always been the case. I've always wondered how they do that. That's old. 2,000 years ago. John's like, hey, go find Jesus. Sent his, son, sent his disciples. They found him. Just thought I'd throw that in for free. But watch this. At that very hour... John the Baptist says, are you the coming one again, they ask, or do we look for another? They're wondering if he's the Messiah. He says, at that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. Did you notice that it said at that very hour? So picture this. John says, go to Jesus and ask if he's the one. Go see if he's the one we're looking for. He's sitting in prison. And at the very hour, he can put the background back up. At the very hour he's sitting in prison and he's getting uh, uh, waiting to hear back, Jesus is healing more people he doesn't know. Shouldn't he be breaking John the Baptist out of prison? Shouldn't he be doing something for his cousin? But John the Baptist is sitting in the cell. Now I want you to picture this with me. How do you think those disciples felt when they had to go back and tell John the Baptist what Jesus was doing? He's in prison. And so they walk in and they're like, hey, uh, John, don't shoot the messenger. We're just reporting what you wanted us to tell you. You asked us to go tell Jesus if he's the, if he's the one. And he said yes. And not only did he say yes, he's healing people, he's making the lame walk, he's cleansing the lepers, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. By the way, do we still believe that the blind can see and the lame can walk and lepers can be cleansed and the deaf can hear and the dead can be raised and the poor can have the gospel preached? Do we still believe that today? I know we do. But they say, uh, John, we, we, we hate to tell you this, but he's doing all this stuff. 
and he's doing something for, it seems like, John, for everybody except for you. Jesus said, yeah, tell him. Tell him what I'm doing. And he goes back. How do you think John felt? Sitting in prison, Jesus' cousin, he's the Messiah, he's healing everybody, but John's still sitting in prison, and probably at the same time hearing more and more murmuring, mm, they, that, uh, we need to get rid of that guy's head. How do you think he feels? Maybe that's how you feel today. Where's God at? Don't we play the deserve game? You don't have to raise your hand, but don't we play the deserve game in our lives? Don't we look at someone's life and go, they deserve a miracle. They've lived such a good life. They've prayed all, they've been holy, they've been righteous, they've done the right thing, they've gone to church, they're always there. Boy, if you want to look at someone who's done the right thing, look at my mom. Woo! Godly woman who has the most greatest attitude in the world. Guess what? Why isn't God answering prayers? He is, but he's not answering them the way I want him to. Are you here? It's going to get better. Tell the person next to you it's going to get better. But tell them this too. Remember that before things get better, they get worse. It's going to get better. So we finished there. Y'all still here, by the way? This is the 11 o'clock crowd. You shouldn't be tired. He finished that word there. He says, go back and tell John the Baptist that all these miracles are happening. Here's the key of the message. The next verse, how many know sometimes we're reading and we finish and we're like, oh, that was, that was amazing. And we miss the next verse. Watch what the next verse says, Luke 7, 23. Jesus says a profound, profound, powerful statement right here. And he's speaking first and foremost to John the Baptist and then to us. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let me make this easy for us. Blessed is the person, blessed is my child, blessed is my, my son or my daughter who understands that I don't work the way you work. I don't answer questions the way you ask them. I don't do things the way you think I should do them. I'm not answering the prayer the way you want you to answer. But if you will just keep the right attitude and stay humble and have faith in me and love me, you'll be blessed. Did anybody get that? Because I know all throughout this place, we're all praying for things. We all have loved ones who are, especially the days we're living in today. We all have things we're praying for. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Write this down in your notes if you're taking it. This is a nugget that will take you a long ways. One of the hardest things you're ever going to have to do as a Christian is understand how to deal with unanswered prayer. How do I deal with unanswered prayer? But I'm going to give you a little bit of an answer right here. The master, how many believe he's a master? The master is still painting our picture. He's still working on us. He's still doing something in our lives. And right now, in your situation that you're praying for, and God seems to not be answering, he's doing something right now. He's working on you. He's, 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 he's almost, he's like a chef. He's cooking. And he's using a lot of different ingredients. And how many know you don't mess with the chef until he's done? Amen? Get out of the kitchen. 
I've never been that person, but I've been the one on the other side. I'm the one that eats what the chef makes. Amen. And I know I got to let them be finished. But how many know that, that God is a painter? He is painting a beautiful picture for us. Now stay with me on this. This is going to sound a little weird. Okay? Who's ever heard of Bob Ross? The painter. I know Julie has. Well, guess what? I watch Bob Ross too. If you don't know who Bob Ross is, he paints pictures for 30 minutes. Stay with me here. If you need to sleep, anybody have struggles in here sleeping? Let me see how you struggle sleeping. I'm one of them. Put a Bob Ross show on. I'm telling you, man. And right over here, we're going to put this brush in a little bit of white here. We're going to put it up here on the corner. We're going to sort of right here. Yeah, tell them. Do whatever you think. Yeah, whatever you Just stay happy. And that's how his voice stays for 30 minutes. But he is a genius. And he is making a beautiful painting. You're not going to lose 30 minutes. You're either going to watch a beautiful painting or you're going to sleep like a, like a baby. I'm telling you, Bob Ross. Okay? My mamma used to watch him. I'd go to her house and she would, she would paint with him. And so I want you to, if you don't get anything else in this, get this. This is going to help somebody. It's going to help a lot of people. It already helped me. Whenever you're dealing with unanswered prayer and you're in a situation that doesn't make sense, I want you to remember that God is making a painting of your life. And I'm going to put up a video here and I want you to watch this. And I want you to see this video and I want you to look at this video and I want your can the canvas that you're looking at to be your life. And I want the hand of the painter to be God's hand. Okay? Now watch this. He's blotting. He's wiping. He's, what is he doing? What, God, what are you doing right now? I see nothing. What is that? And then silence. Unanswered prayer. God, what are you doing with my... Oh. Oh, that's what you were doing. Oh. That's how you deal with unanswered prayer. Every time it gets ugly and nasty and it seems like God is not around and you feel like you're getting beat up and punched on and nothing's going right, those are blotches right in the middle of the painting. And when you stand back and watch this guy paint, you're like, where in the world is he going to get this from? What is he doing with this blotch? And then he comes a little longer, a little later with a little knife and shh, shh, shh. So God is masterpiecing us right now. Hello. And watch, the Bible actually says it, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Watch this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. Jesus, now watch this, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When? When the canvas started. When the painting, did the painting start? He always starts with a white canvas or a black canvas. And if he would just start with a brown one and a yellow one, we'd have all the relations, all the colors taken care of. Amen? Hello. Hello, y'all missed that one. You'll get that one later. Starts with a blank canvas. That's your life. And I've been teaching you the last few weeks, he sees the end from the beginning. We look sometimes at our life and we see that middle piece. 
And we're like, God, what are you doing? Hello? What are you doing with my life? And we don't understand that he has something planned for us, which is that beautiful end masterpiece picture. Tell someone next to you, he's almost done. But don't miss this. You know what happens next in the story? At the same time, Herod's daughter and Herod's wife want John's head. And they go get him in the cell and cut his head off and put it on a platter. And the disciples go and get his body. And kind of almost at the same time, stay with me, while he's doing this, John, sorry, Jesus' following words are, John the Baptist is the greatest. He's the greatest prophet that's ever came. But guess what? John the Baptist didn't get to hear those words on this earth. He died. He died. And he didn't get to hear those words. Church, there's things that we do on this earth we're not going to see the end result until we get to heaven. That is something that I have come to grips with in my life. Because there's a lot of things that the Lord told me he was going to do in my life I haven't seen happen yet. And I know there's still future in front of me, but I also understand that there's a lot of things that I'm not going to see till I get to heaven. And you need to understand that too. We are his masterpiece. We get glimpses. We get glimpses here on this earth, but we don't see it all. And I want you to write this down. If you didn't take any other notes, I want you to write this down. Heaven keeps good books. God keeps good books. He, he writes every detail down, the good and the bad. And thank God for the blood of Jesus. He forgets the bad. But he writes all the good down in what's called the book of remembrance in the book of Malachi. And so he's writing it down. And I'm telling you, you know what? How many of you have ever wondered, what are we going to do in heaven? When we get to heaven, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? I know one thing we're going to do. We're going to walk around going, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, that's what that was. That's what that scratch was. It was a mountain. It was a river. Hello. And we're going to be amazed if we just stay in the race that God is doing something all the time. And the last thing I want you to understand is this. God's proof for us, listen closely, God's proof, someone online needs this, God's proof that he's real is not whether he answers or doesn't answer your prayers. His proof of his love is that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's the proof of his love. Did you hear me? If God never answers a prayer in your life, he gave you proof of his greatest love when he said, I love this world so much that I'm going to send my only son to go down and die. And he said, I'm going to die for you while you're a sinner. On the cross for you, I'm going to pay a price for you. And church, I can say today that if I never have another, I've had a lot of prayers answered. Don't let this take away from all the answered prayers. But I'm talking to those who are struggling with unanswered prayer. If I don't ever have another prayer answered, I have enough in what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for unanswered prayers because they keep us humble. 
they allow us to understand that we're not you. They allow us to work through our salvation and our faith and build our faith with the resistance of situations and circumstances that just like a muscle grows with resistance and weight, Lord, there's things that are coming against us that hurt us sometimes and it seems like we don't get what you're doing and like Brian mentioned at the prayer, you begin to make a river right in the middle of the desert. Church, as your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, why don't you just picture right now that picture, that painting again and see how God could do that. How could God put a river in a desert? Because he's the painter. Because he's the creator. He can come right down right now in your situation and write into your life a, a river where there is no river. He can make a way where there is no way. He can heal what seems unhealable. He can, he can erase something in your life that doesn't need to be there. The only way we can mess up the masterpiece that God is, is doing in our lives is if we get our hands on his hands. And say, God, let me, let me intervene. Let me help you out. Listen, church, God doesn't need our help. He just needs our faith. doesn't say in Hebrews 11 that without our help, it's impossible to please God. It says without faith. There's one thing in this place this morning that moves the hand of God. It's faith. And sometimes it's faith just to say, God, I believe and trust you whether I'm seeing what I want to see or not. How many in this place before we open up the altars this morning and spend a little bit of time in prayer? Because I know God has spoken to some people's lives could say, I don't know this master this morning. I don't know this king that you're talking about. I've never been saved. What do I have to do to be saved? Jesus said, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. That verse in Romans said that we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And a few chapters later it says, and that sin, the wages of that sin is death. Meaning because of our sin in our life, it separates us from God. A holy God. Jesus came to make a bridge, to cover that bridge with the cross. That could get us from God, back to God again. That, that sever, that, that, that chasm, that place between us and God that separates with our sin and he said while you're still sinners I died for the ungodly call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved and this morning he's not looking for people who have it all together he's looking for people who need hope he didn't as a matter of fact he said he didn't come for the healthy he came for the sick if you're here and you need forgiveness of your sins you're in the right place if you need restoration in your relationship with God you're in the right place but maybe you've never said that prayer. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and I want you to come into my life and change me and transform me. And I want you to, to start working on the canvas of my life. And today you can do that. If you're watching online, you're listening on the podcast, or you're here in the congregation, if that's you, just lift your hand up and put it right back down all across this place and say, I need Jesus. I see your hand. How many more? I need Jesus. Just lift it up and put it down. This isn't for me. This is for you. I did this 29 years ago, next month. I gave my life to Jesus. I'd never change anything in the world for what God has done in my life. 
How many more? I need Jesus. I've never said the prayer of Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He's the key. He's the door. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you've said that prayer. But this morning, you are not walking the life with God that you know you should be walking. Life has happened. Doubt has come in. Maybe you've just gotten lazy and you began to do things again that you used to do and you know you're not supposed to do. And listen, that's between you and God. God can fix that today. But maybe you need to come back this morning to your first love. How many could say, that's me? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. All across this place. God sees your hearts. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I hope that God spoke to you this morning. I hope he ministered to you. I know he did to me. This message is so healing for me. It reminds me God's in control. I'm looking at that paint. God gave me that. I, God gave me that. I didn't get that from anybody. That painting thing came from the Holy Spirit, and it's for me. When I feel like God's not doing anything, I'm reminded he's blotching me right now. He's doing something beautiful. He's doing something amazing. And if you don't think that painting has power, my son-in-laws watched that whole thing with me last night, and they didn't tell me to turn it off. I gave them the example before. It's pretty amazing. Dude's a genius. And if he could do that on a painting, what can God do in your life? Amen? We're going to say a prayer this morning of salvation for those that are watching online before we go offline. I want everybody in here to say this with us. Say it from your heart. Lord Jesus, we believe you're the son of the living God. You came down from heaven. You were born of a virgin, so there would be no sin in your life. You lived a perfect life, and then you went to the cross willingly and prophetically to die on the cross for our sins. You took our place. You were substitution on your body of the wrath of God for the justice of our souls. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for that. I believe you died for every sin I've ever committed. And I also believe that you defeated death because you came out of the grave three days later, just like you said you would. I believe that. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I believe you're the way to heaven, and you are my salvation. Please forgive me for all my sins in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, begin to write and paint the masterpiece of my life on your canvas. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, Go to our website at vwotexas.com.